Welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. Tune in each week with Drew and James to hear a relevant conversation about a biblical topic. Thanks for joining. Hey everyone, this is James. And this is Drew. We are so happy to be here. This is the commandment number 10. We've been going through all the 10 commandments. If you haven't watched or listened to the other podcast episodes, please go back and listen to those because there will be things from those that will cover in this one as well. Uh, so this is number 10. Yeah. The 10th of the 10 commandments. That's right. There are 10 and they are commandments. That's kind of, the, that's I feel kind of like that's our theme. theme. Yeah. yeah. So, Definitely the theme. Which is not a bad theme. Not at all. Uh, it's, it's very pretty, true. Pretty accurate. <laughs> uh, hang on one second. Okay. Um, Go ahead and do what you're doing. I will <laughs> I will just talk. Banter, yeah. Just a little banter here uh, as you finish texting. All right. All number right. 10. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll, that was fun. Number 10. <laughs> you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Uh, and this is the prohibition against covetousness. Um, I, I think this one is, is kind of interesting because in Romans chapter 7, you've got this discourse from the Apostle Paul where he's talking about all of the all of the things that he wants to do, but he doesn't have the desire to do in his flesh. And so he says, I want to do good things, but I'm not able to do it. And I don't want to do bad things, but I keep doing them. And he ends up saying, wretched man that I am. But the, the example that he uses here is covetousness. So Romans 7, verse 7, he says, What shall we say then, that the law is sin? What do you think? Is the law sin? Mm-hmm. The law itself is not sin. Is the law sin? By no means, is what he says. No, the law is not sin. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet the law or to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Uh, So that's that's so interesting to me. Of all the sins Paul could have picked out, number one, number two, number three, you know, number four through number nine, he picks you shall not covet. And I think this particular one is one that we just kind of think is not that big of a deal. Like, covetousness is not as important as commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. We kind of think covetousness is like, you know, it's a it's a second grade sin. Like it's not the it's not the first level sin. It's the it's a lower grade of sin. Um, but that's just not true. Paul mm-hmm. says covetousness is actually what um, led him to understand that he was condemned by the law. And covetousness is simply desiring that which your neighbor has. I mean, it's, a, it's a desire, desiring that which you don't have, desiring something that somebody else has. Um, the Heidelberg Catechism, question 113, what's required in the 10th commandment? It says that not even the least inclination or thought against any of God's commandments ever enter into our heart, but that with our whole heart we continually hate all sin and take pleasure in all righteousness. And so what the catechism here says is that this has to do with keeping God's commandments, that the covetousness um, that you shall not covet is, is actually encapsulates all of the commandments of God, mm-hmm. um, that what it means to covet is to disregard God's commandments um, either on the whole or individually as if they're not good or as, as if they're not helpful to us as, as Christians. And so um, he, he gives specific things in Exodus 20 that we are not supposed to covet, um, that we're not supposed to covet things that belong to our neighbor. And so 
just note how these two things are related to, um, th- th- how this is related to stealing. It's how related to the love of our neighbor, how it's related to bearing false witness or telling the truth about our neighbor. Um, you could covet something that belongs to your neighbor and is his wife, is what mm-hmm. it says, so you can commit adultery, adultery by covetousness. And if you coveted so much, you might even be tempted to murder or hate your neighbor, which mm-hmm. would make you guilty of the sixth commandment. So by breaking the tenth commandment, you could also be breaking, be guilty of breaking all of the other commandments um, up to this point, you know, uh, that, that deal with the, uh, the, the second table of the law would deal with your yeah. love for your love for your neighbor or desiring to do what's right before your neighbor. Um, even the one about, you know, honoring your father or mother, like your father or mother could be your neighbor and you could desire what they have, you know? Sure. And so in, and in doing so, um, uh, go, go against what God has commanded. So you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his male servant, female servant, ox or don- donkey or anything else that is your neighbor's. And there's, there's a temptation here to apply this to greed. And I think that's exactly right. Um, that, when we covet, we do so because we're not content with what God has given us. Right. We're greedy for what other people have, and we think that if we're obeying God, um, that we should be given stuff that our neighbors has that our neighbor has been given, um, and, and that that it's right and it's good for us to desire those things rather than being content with what God has given to us. Uh, and that's one of the great difficulties of the Christian life. Um, mm-hmm. God is not a um, equal distributor of goods, you know, uh, we all have different amounts of certain things, some people are given certain gifts, some people are given certain uh, measures of things, whether that be money, or whether that be talent, or whatever it might be, um, and we are not to desire the things that God has given other people, we are to desire that which God is, to desire and to hone which God has given to us, that we might glorify Him, and so uh, wrapped up in this is, you know, jealousy yeah. uh, against other people, uh, greed of what other people uh, what other people have, um, looking down or thinking less of other people. You know, uh, hey, I'm more spiritual than they are, but they have more of X than I do. You know, fill fill whatever that that X might be. You know, uh, whether that's that their um, their family seems to be great, or they have tons of money, or they have a super easy job, or like whatever it might be. The they they got dealt a better hand of cards than I did, mm-hmm. and that's not really fair. You know, and covetousness is saying. God, you're not really fair, right. and so because you're not fair, I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm going to make I'm going to try and make things fair. I'm going to desire um, to to make things fair. Covetousness is not simply desiring things, though. Right. right? The Bible tells us to ask God for things because He is the giver of good gifts, and He delights to give good things to His children. And so we should ask God for good things, things that would bring him glory. We should ask for wisdom in making certain decisions. Um, I don't think it's wrong, you know, for example, I may, I used the example either last episode or a couple episodes ago of, you know, I uh, I bought a truck, and I, I use that truck. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good that I have that I try to use to help and benefit other people, whether that's like, you know, hauling their stuff or like, you know, doing something that they couldn't do with a car, whatever it might be, try to use it in that way. Also use it for myself for those same kinds of things. Um, it's not a bad thing for you to look and to see, I mean, like, let's use this very basic example. Um, you're driving a car, you know, and you're fine with your car um, and it's okay. But then you see somebody has a truck 
and you say, oh, they have a truck, and look at all the things they use their truck for. They use it to help people move. They use it to haul stuff for folks that don't have one. Like, you know what? I think I might like to get a truck so I can do those same kinds of things. That's not covetousness. That's looking at someone else's example and seeking to emulate it. You know, even though yeah. that does involve, you know, you going and, and buying a truck. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, James, what you have is a really nice thing, mm-hmm. and I think I might like to have a nice thing that's like that so I can use it in a similar way. What's covetousness is I wish I had James's truck and that James didn't have his truck. Yeah. You know, I wish I had what he had that's good rather than um, him having that good thing. I right. want his thing. Or, you know, he uses the example of um, of don't covet your neighbor's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, man, like, does he not know, you know, th- thinking hypothetically, um, does that guy not know what a great wife he has? You know, I would be such a better uh, husband to her than he is. You know, that that kind of thinking, that kind of mm-hmm. idea, that's covetousness. That's the sin that is condemned here. Yeah. Um, and covetousness, I think this is really good uh, to note. Where is murder committed? Primarily, it's committed outside of your body. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we talked about how Jesus says all of us are guilty of murder in the, in the heart, um, but the principal act of murder is committed by taking another person's life. Mm-hmm. What about adultery? Yes, it's committed in your heart, mm-hmm. um, but also it's principally committed in you know a physical act with another person what about stealing um, can you steal things in your heart you can desire to steal things in your heart but you actually have to like walk into the store and steal things if mm-hmm. you're going to steal it or walk onto someone's property and steal it to actually um, you know commit the principal act that's that's forbidden here and there's other applications for it false witness um, there's a difference in bearing false witness in your heart and bearing false witness in your tongue. You know, mm-hmm. you can think something that's false in your heart, but if it doesn't come out of your mouth, that's a different thing. You should care about the thing in your heart, but what, if what comes out of your mouth is the truth, then you've done a good thing there in telling the truth, even still trying, desiring to care for your heart. What about covetousness? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a sin that is principally committed mm-hmm. internally, uh, not externally, because yeah. if, it, if it leads to an external act, then it's stealing. And so this is just a reminder to us. It's the Ten Commandments are not just about what we do physically. They're right. also about what we do internally. Uh, our internal desires, our internal temptations, and that's why I think Paul uses it in Romans chapter seven. Yeah. That's why covetousness is mentioned there because it is a sin that is principally internal in its nature and in its orientation. So, in, in light of all of that, that's why that's why the Catechism makes the point um, that the uh, the prohibition against covetousness. Um, is a prohibition against God's good commandments. So on the subject of being fair, I actually um, saw a a short video from an elementary teacher, and she got her students together, and they had all been talking about, hey, that's not fair, this is not fair, you know how elementary students can be. And so she said, well, how many of you ever had a a boo-boo that you had to put a Band-Aid on, right? And so one kid said, yeah, I did. The other kid, yeah, I did. And so she said, okay, well, where did you put your Band-Aid? He said, I put it on my knee. I scraped my knee. And she said, where did you put your Band-Aid? He said, I scraped my elbow. I put it on my elbow. And so she said, okay, well, because he put his on his knee, how about we put your Band-Aid on your knee? That way it's fair. He goes, but I hurt my elbow. She said, then, so you want your Band-Aid on your elbow, not on your knee. He was like, yeah. And she used that as a, a great example, I think, in my opinion. I've used it on my kids to say just because one person has this need or has this desire um, doesn't mean that you have to have the same thing. Um, and I think that God's given us all a different passion. He's given us all different yeah. desires. He's given us different pathways. And even though, sure, I want a truck, right? Sure. Uh, but at the same time, 
God may not bless me the same way right. with a truck as he, he did you. And I think seeing life that way in a way that fair is not fair, um, yeah, and it, God supri- supplies the right way. I've heard somebody say this before, and so I'm I'm borrowing this from someone, but I just can't remember who. Um, even if even if life was fair, like life's not fair, but even if life right. was fair, I'm not the right person to tell you that it's fair. Mm-hmm. Or even if I think life's unfair, I'm not the person to tell you that life's unfair. You know, it, it, some some people might might accuse God of saying, yeah, or might accuse God and say, well, God's not fair. Well, who are you to know? <laughs> That God's not fair. Right. Like, are you perfect in every way, or yeah. do you understand everything perfectly? Exactly. And so, when it comes to when it comes to the idea of covetousness, and um, you know, understanding that God God does give different people different things for His good purposes, you know, for um, for for whatever whatever path that He, like He exactly. said, path they might have Him walk down. You know, I think of First um, Corinthians. Uh, Paul says that there is one body, but there are many members in that mm-hmm. body, and not every member is a foot, or not every member is an eye. And so mm-hmm. we need to be mindful. That, are you content with being the best eye that you mm-hmm. can be, or are you uh, always attempting to try to be a foot? You know, because mm-hmm. a foot makes a terrible eye, and an eye makes a terrible foot. You know, <laughs> vice versa. Um, so we we need to be mindful of what what are the things that God has given to us, and how can I use those things? How can I glorify God with my life? And not try to glorify him with someone else's life. Yeah. You know that's 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 the root uh, issue here. The catechism kind of ends here on tying a bow on the ten com- ten commandments with two final questions: question one fourteen and one fifteen. Can those who are converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? All right. So we've talked about how you you're not keeping these commandments to get salvation because mm-hmm. you want to be saved. Um, you're you're doing these commandments because you have been saved, just like Israel was delivered from Egypt first before um, they come to the foot of Mount Sinai, and then God gives them the law. And so we have been converted. The reason we want to keep the Ten Commandments is because we have been converted. If right. you're not converted and you hear the Ten Commandments, it is like a burden being placed on your back. It is a law being placed upon you, and it should be uncomfortable, and you should know, no, I can't keep these commandments. I know, no, I failed. I feel the, the weight of the burden and the guilt. Now the question becomes, okay, I am converted. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. I have a new heart. Right. Can I keep these commandments perfectly? The answer, no. <laughs> Even the holiest men, while in this life, have only a small beginning of this obedience. Yet so that with earnest purpose they begin to live, not only according to some, but according to all of the commandments of God. So what we're looking for here is the beginnings and the continual improvement in each of these areas. Um, all th- this, if we use this as law... Uh, as because it is law, mm-hmm. it will always condemn us. It will always tell us what we should do. But that doesn't mean that we should not keep and continue and strive to do it um, and grow more and more and more to become like Christ day by day as we pass through. So, are we still going to struggle with anger uh, and to to murder people in our hearts? Yes, mm-hmm. and always we will until we reach uh, reach heaven's gates. But as in God's good providence, more and more as we mortify our flesh and put on the spirit that our desires slowly change, that this becomes less and less and less of a thing that we are tempted into and a thing that we slip into. Um, and again, this is what the Pharisees missed. They thought, hey, I've, I haven't murdered anyone and I haven't done any of these terrible things, I haven't committed adultery, so I must be good. Uh, well, that's a misunderstanding of what the commandments are for. Um, they are to they are to lead us and guide us into Christ. They're not things that we check off and say, "Okay, I've got my righteousness now. 
Um, we never have righteousness that is adequate to merit us favor with God. We must have Christ's righteousness. The only kind of righteousness that is sufficient is imputed righteousness that's given to us by a righteous Savior to an unrighteous person. Um, that Christ died the righteous for the unrighteous. Um, and so once we understand that, then our, it's you know the perspective changes and shifts to where we see these commandments are never perfectly obeyed but they're all obeyed in a sense that is um, desiring to be obeyed truthfully, though not perfectly, uh, if, if, that make, if that distinction makes sense. So yeah. um, we are always reading the commandments and repenting uh, is, is what the commandments should lead us to, to repent and obey. Repent of the, the ways that we have not obeyed the commandments and seek to obey the commandments in the way that they have been given to us. Thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I I, I really appreciate the the almost like bookends to mm. the commandments. The first one uh, is how we should view God, but I feel like the last one is really how we should view ourselves. Yeah, uh, because it's not about what everybody else has; it's about what God's given yeah. me, right? And the, it kind of just takes the Ten Commandments and puts them all together. Yeah, uh, and and that's right. And the first commandment draws our gaze towards the Lord, mm-hmm. right? that I want to worship the Lord and the Lord alone. And if we worship God, we will love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so the 10th commandment, what does it do? It draws our, our our gaze. Yes, it draws our gaze back towards God, but also mm-hmm. to our neighbor. So like you can't love the Lord without loving your neighbor, right. and you can't love your neighbor without loving the Lord. Like those two things go hand exactly. in hand. And so um, it, it, it's, it's so important that we understand that. Uh, last question here of the catechism about the 10 commandments. Question 115, why then does God so strictly enjoin upon us the Ten Commandments since in this life no one can keep them? All right, so last question is, can anybody keep them? No, you can't ever keep them. Why? Why give me a task I can't accomplish? Why give me a list of rules that I can't keep? Here's the answer. There's There's two parts to this answer. First, that all our life long we may learn more and more to know our sinful nature. And so the more earnestly seek forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. The law should drive us to Christ, uh, should drive us to the Lord, um, that we would be aware of our sin, that our awareness of sin would draw us to repentance and to find forgiveness at the foot of the cross again and again and again and again, that all this lifelong we never outgrow sinning. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's that's a hard thing to, to consider some of the time. Uh, but the alternative is to think that we cannot m- maintain or attain some kind of righteousness on our own, uh, and none of us wants to go down that road. We right. all we all want to have a mediator who is Christ. The second part of this answer, secondly, that we may continually strive and beg from God the grace of the Holy Spirit so as to become more and more changed into the image of God till we attain finally to full perfection after this life. And so what is the what are the Ten Commandments for? For the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts to make us more and more and more like Jesus Christ, that more and more and more we become like the one who kept the Ten Commandments perfectly, um, that, we, that we have received his righteousness, and so his righteousness should be perceived to some extent in our own, in our own lives as we obey uh, the Ten Words. And they're an, they an all-encompassing uh, set of commandments, right? There's ten of them, and there are commandments, and these are the foundational bedrock for Christian ethics of what it means to live the Christian life. Meaning, if you don't get these ten things right, if you don't understand the importance of these ten things, 
you're not going to understand what the rest of the Christian life is is to be, how the rest of the Christian life is to be lived. Yeah, yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I, I'm kind of uh, seeing the commandments as like the vows that we make with God in our covenant with Him, the same way that you do in a marriage. And so the whole point, all 10 of these, and every episode it's kind of been brought up, is pointing people yeah. to God through the gospel. And that's what I, I feel like all of these go together and it says, hey, I may not live perfectly. I may not, but I strive to be that way. And I know that Christ has saved me. Yeah. And it, I think you're exactly right, James. Uh, I, had a, I had a professor in seminary that said what happened at Sinai when God um, and God made a covenant with Israel was a marriage that God was taking taking um, Israel to be his his bride and they got married there at mount sinai and these are the these are the vows that they took in the covenant and you see this moses comes to the people and says will you do all that the lord has commanded you and they said yes we will do and we will keep all of the words of this law and if you read so you got the 10 commandments in exodus 20 and then you got exodus 21 through 24 um, which is three chapters of what's often called the judgments uh, and they are applications of the Ten Commandments to everyday life. And so um, there's, there's certain things in there that might seem foreign to us, but if we drill down, what we find there is the root of one of the Ten Commandments. Um, and so in, in reading that, we understand, no, these are to be applied to the people of God um, from the earliest uh, in conception of the Ten Commandments. They are, they are, they are timeless in that sense. Yeah. They're not just for the Old Testament, but they, are, um, they, they embody the moral law that God has given to us to obey. So um, I, think that, I think that's so important, and I think it's exactly right that by our obedience to them, we demonstrate a measure of our desire to be faithful to the one yeah. who has redeemed us. Yeah, which I think will only uh, encourage others to do the same. Yeah. Because if, uh, if the church is full of hypocrites because they realize that they are sinners saved by grace versus church full of hypocrites because they think that they can live perfectly, mm-hmm. uh, those are two different uh, scenarios. That's I right. think that living and saying, hey, I'm not perfect right. only allows people who are not perfect and know they're not to come to the one who is. And the Ten Commandments do not make a saint of anyone. No. Um, they don't have they don't have that power. Um, that's that's not that's not the goal. If anything, so, they point out your that's exactly not right. A saint. That's exactly right. So um, those are those are good good kind of things um, categories for us to keep in mind. And what should the response be to the Ten Commandments? We should pray mm-hmm. um, that God would help us to understand the commandments help us to obey the commandments, and help us to repent when we disobey them, uh, clinging to Christ and his perfect sacrifice for our righteousness, uh, that we might be righteous and we might be holy just as he is holy. Absolutely. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this entire season. I'm kind of sad that this is the last episode. Um, I think that if you've been following this entire thing, you're probably right there with me. Um, If this is the only one that you've heard or seen, Please go back and watch the other nine. This has been fantastic. Uh, just taking the Ten Commandments, breaking them down, and uh, seeing how that we can apply them in our world today, uh, yep. thousands of years later. Yeah, it's great, and it's it's just a reminder that God's God's word is timeless and it's true. Absolutely, and, uh, it, it's it bears so much for us to consider, and so we should be um, students of the word, study the word, um, that we might uh, live in a way that pleases the Lord. So. Yeah. Well, if you've enjoyed this, uh, please make sure and share it with others so that we can get the gospel out there to other people 
Um, also, remember that you can always email us if you have any questions or concerns or if you just need prayer. Uh, info at creeksidefellowshiptn.org. Probably the easiest thing is go to our website there you go. and scroll down to the bottom of the page. There's an email link there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and, uh, yeah, appreciate you all listening and hope you've enjoyed the time. I know we've, en- we en- we've enjoyed yeah. having the conversation. So um, love to hear from you. hope this is beneficial to you. Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next season. Uh, and until then, be blessed.